Welcome to Cancer Out Loud, the Cancer Care Podcast, a show featuring conversations with people living with cancer, caregivers, survivors, loved ones, and the bereaved. Hosted by oncology social workers, Cancer Out Loud takes a closer look at the cancer experience using the power of storytelling. For those that are familiar with us, we are now bringing a fresh approach, embracing a new format that allows us to dive deeper into the world of cancer, one episode at a time. Instead of seasons, we're introducing numbered episodes, each offering a unique perspective, expert insights, and personal narratives that will educate, uplift, and empower. Whether you are a patient, survivor, caregiver, someone that lost a loved one, or someone hoping to find inspiration, Cancer Out Loud is your sanctuary, a place to find hope, understanding, and a sense of community. This podcast is produced by Cancer Care, the leading national nonprofit organization providing free professional support services to anyone affected by cancer. Welcome back to Cancer Out Loud, the Cancer Care Podcast. Over the next few episodes, you will hear different stories and perspectives of grief and loss. While each person's grief experience is different, we hope that common themes will decrease feelings of isolation and foster new feelings of hope. In part two of this episode, we hear from Lucia, an oncology social worker at Cancer Care, along with two former members of her bereavement group, Join us as we embark on a journey of understanding, healing, and renewed hope in the face of grief and loss. Why don't we start with just, can you introduce yourself and, and tell us why you're here? Okay. My name is Jay. Um, I am here to uh, discuss um, a little about grief, uh, a little about my life. Um, I was married for 30 years. Um, I went out for two years with my wife. Um, she had... Um, uh, What she had, yeah, ovarian cancer. She had ovarian cancer for four and a half years. Um, she died in August of 2020, so I'm in my third year of uh, losing her. Um, and I said she died, um, and not she passed away, because because um, that's what she did. I'm not even sure what passed away means. Um, so because it's a real. Dying is a real thing to me. Um, I have two sons. Uh, one, they, one is becoming uh, 29 this year, and one is becoming 31. And uh, the 29-year-old is actually getting married uh, this Thursday. Um, and uh, it's very different for me to be the liaison between in-laws. Um, I, I never thought I would be alone in doing that, um, but I am. 
Um, but I am very happy that he's getting married. It's going to be uh, mixed feelings this uh, this weekend. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, my name is so Lou. That's uh, my life right now. See? I'm here to talk about life after losing your soulmate. What, what it takes to go on in life. Uh, my wife had a geoblastoma. It lasted about a year, her sickness. And uh, she passed away. And now I'm trying to get my life together. It's not easy to get your life together after being together with somebody for 40 years ending up being one person, because that's what we were. We were together. We did everything together. There was nothing we wouldn't do without each other. There was nothing that we didn't lean on each other for. And now she's gone. I have to, I have to start a whole new life at this point in my life, and I don't know how to do it. But I thank God I have my son to lean on the one person that's given me strength, that was there for me. I don't have very much family, it's just him. But he was there for me as much as he can, but how much can he be there for me? So now I, I walk through life trying to put meaning into it, but I thank God for one thing. See, I knew I needed something, and my son had suggested cancer care. And uh, when I got involved in it, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because when you're surrounded by people who've experienced what you've experienced, you feel comforted. You feel you're not so alone. And there's a bond, there's this connection that you get immediately, didn't know where to turn, didn't know what to do. Everyone says, oh, you have to move forward, you have to keep yourself busy. Tell me how to do that. Tell me what to do. You can't put it into words. My son made me a sheet with bullets. Wake up in the morning, have breakfast, go get a newspaper. Sure, sure, sure. It's all easy. It's all nice. But no one, no one in life can understand what you're going through. Can, can I try to explain a little? <laughs> um, what happens is you lose your best friend. You lose the person you trusted the most in your life. You lose your future, the future that you thought you had. Um, I did not have a plan B. Um, you even lose a little of your past because you have no one really to share your past with anymore. You have uh, no one to talk about the good times, the bad times. Um, you have no one to share your financial interests. You have no one to share your vacations with. Um, you have no one to talk about movies with. You have no one to share TV with. Um, you name it. Um, you're alone, uh, basically. You're isolated for a long time. Um, I mean, it changes after a while. I'm in my third year so of grief. Um, 
So it's a little different for me than uh, early on. Um, what happens later on, um, you learn to kind of incorporate your grief because um, you do learn that life goes on. Um, you, you start to have um, administrative problems. <laughs> you have to, you know, stop your, uh, your spouse's uh, credit cards. You have to, uh, you know, change your, uh, your joint accounts. You have to take your, your wife's name off your account, um, you know, which is pretty hard to see. Um, and, and you have to, you know, you, 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 they've kind of vanished from those administrative things. They don't vanish from your life, obviously, because it's a, the grief is going to be, that's the other thing. The grief is going to be with you all your life. Um, you have to realize that. Um, and you have to make a choice. You have to either live and, 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 Grieve all the time and not choose to incorporate the grief and live a life. Um, and, and, or you can just, and, and just live alone and isolate and just be sad all the time. Or you can just try to live some sort of life and, um, I decided to live some sort of life, um, and, but I th think about, my wife's name is Judy, I think about Judy every day. Um, and uh, I can tell you, uh, I just, I, I'll tell you a little progression of my life uh, by using a holiday which just passed. Uh, Mother's Day just passed. Um, and I thought about this before I came here. Um, in my first year of grief, I was in a total fog. I didn't know where I was at all. Um, I was sad all the time. I was isolated. Um, I was lonely. Um, I have two sons who were the greatest. They were my rocks. Um, so in my first year of celebrating Mother's Day, I spent the whole day with my sons. We looked at pictures of my wife. Um, we talked about our lives with as, as she is a mother and she is a wife. Um, and then we went out to eat at her favorite restaurant. Um, and that was my first year of grief. Um, in my second year of grief, we kind of met in the afternoon because, um, you know, what happens is you start to realize there's life goes on and you have to kind of move forward so we, it wasn't such a milestone at that point, Mother's Day, because other things are happening and you have to realize that. So we met in the afternoon, we talked a little about my wife and her as a mother again, and then we went out to eat. And then this third Mother's Day came around this year and we, we have a, a memorial bench in Central Park. And this year we met in the morning and we had some iced coffee. We spent two hours at the bench and talked about her and uh, then went home and lived our lives. And that's what I chose to do. And that's what my sons chose to do. 
And that's what happens, like probably in the fourth year or probably less. But we always think of Judy. Um, well, and we always will. Let me tell you about my wife. She was a young lady who came from a family that, whose parents were both ill. Her father died of ALS at a very young age. She lived a very difficult life. She picked herself up with a little boy and said, I'm going to make a better life for myself. And she went out and worked hard and moved forward. And then she met me. And I think in life, I gave her the one thing she ever wanted, respect. Respect as a human being. For this woman to pick me, to love, made me feel that much more special. And that's why we need cancer care. And that's why I thank God for cancer care, because the pain is so great. The emptiness is so deep. And they give you a guide, a, a way of, of finding yourself, a road to try and take. She was such a good woman. I miss her so much. But you have to move forward. And the people who really care understand. And they're there for you. I don't need people telling me what to do constantly. I need people to lean on me and say, when you need, I'm here for you. So I move forward, trying the best I can. Then you get lucky sometimes, and people like Lucia walk into your life, and you realize how special she is. Lucia was a guiding light. She was a comfort. You know, Lou was talking about how people you expected to be there for you sort of disappeared or were not as, as strong of a support as you assumed they would be, and yet new people or different people came into your life. Uh, sure. I found that, um, I guess, which is, I mean, I could just, I'll speak in general terms because I think this, it, it's, it's, it's uh, generally the same all over pretty much. Um, I don't think people can deal with death that well. Um, so I always felt um, I, I started to kind of go out with friends that I had as couples with Judy. And I, I felt like I was um, the, the death person as I went out with them. Um, they could never really talk. They would never really talk about Judy's death. Um, they would avoid talking about that. I, I never really heard from a lot of people. Um, people I really thought I could count on. Um, and as Lou said, it's the people who you really didn't think would be there for you were there for you. Um, and again, grief is very isolating and, and you really need to find people to speak to. And um, that is one of the reasons I joined the bereavement group. And, and it was very helpful because if you don't go through this, and, and it's something that I've never felt before in my life, the hurt that you go through is uh, is indescribable, I would say. Um, and uh, you have to speak to people who's go who have gone through this because no one 
else understands what you go through. Um, so you have to find people like that. And when you go to a bereavement group, you're able to, to open up completely. Um, the way I grieved was I wanted to go through the grief. Uh, well, I went through the grief alone. I wanted to go through the grief alone and have everything come out um, as soon as possible. Because I read all books on grief, which uh, I found don't help that much because grief is the way you want to grieve, pretty much. There are no rules. Um, there's no time period. There's no time period when you have to find someone else. There's no time period when you have to stop grieving. Um, it's all what you feel. Um, so, um, so I really had a very, I thought I had a very, very bad year, um, the first year. Um, I really was in a fog. Um, so, and then I don't have a lot of friends, so I, I really did feel isolated. I hated the winter because it got dark too early and, um, it was a dark time as it is without the winter. Um, so I just felt, um, I, I started, what I started to do, I started to call all my old good friends who I uh, lost contact with, um, not because of Judy's cancer. I just, uh, you know, got lazy. And I found my old friends actually to be there for me. And they're still there for me. And that was pretty surprising because I thought they would kind of kick me away. And they didn't. Um, so right now, I'm in a good place with them. And I do have friends. I go out a little more. Um, so that's good. And um, I, ju I just want to, to, to go back to Lou for a second, because we talk about this a lot. I, you, uh, Lou and I grieve a lot, and people grieve a lot, because I think we loved our wives a lot. I, I think that's kind of the debt you pay for love, is that you really grieve a lot. Uh, and it hurts a lot uh, because we both loved our wives a great deal and they were special people to us. Um, and I'll just tell you a little about my wife very quickly. She, uh, she ran her own business for 35 years. Um, it, it was a, a, a meeting planning business um, and uh, it was for doctors and um, she traveled a lot. Um, I took care of the uh, kids a lot uh, by myself, um, and they used to sleep on the floor a lot. Um, uh, but we had fun, and um, she was a great, great mother. Um, and I know my kids really miss her. Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, my uh, youngest used to speak to her every morning. <laughs> at 11, and he, and he can't anymore. <laughs> if you could go back and tell yourself, what would you tell yourself if you could go back now to when you were fresh in your grief? That we were blessed, that God yeah. gave us a gift, but I want to talk a little about that God. and. 
how your life, your, your beliefs are shaken. My wife and I, I'm Jewish, my wife was Catholic. I'll tell you what kind of wife I had. My mother got ill, had a stroke, and I got very depressed when the Jewish holidays came around. So this Catholic woman from a very Catholic family goes out. We live in Brooklyn and finds out from the butcher, the fish man, how to make all the Jewish dishes, gefilte fish, matzo ball soup, kreplach. You don't know what that is. That is wonderful, wonderful Jewish food. This Catholic woman who made the best meatballs and sauce in the world goes out and cooks every Jewish dish because to make me happy. But later on, you reflect on how special, how special she is. And these are the little things that build a foundation to a love that can't be matched. I know I was blessed having her in my life. I know. We went to church. She wanted to get back into the church, so we went to church. I, you know, we did for each other because even though I'm Jewish and I'm European, my parents came from uh, Germany, I still went to church with her because it was something she felt she wanted. And we went there and we got involved in the church. And, and then when she got sick, I, I looked up and all I could say is, why? Why? I kept asking, why? And, and that's why I drifted away from the church. But just recently, I started to maybe try to hear the word. And, and they talked about things. And a couple of the people that got into my life that gave me support were the people involved in church. And maybe I'm moving forward to accepting God in, into my life without question. I, I don't know. But the people that I've met that have helped me. But... <laughs> It's just uh, so hard, so hard uh, to, uh, to understand why the meaning. I, I think the why is because death is part of life. I mean, that's, that's the why to me, at least. And I don't think people recognize that. I mean, it is, death is a real thing. And you have to recognize that. And it's going to happen to everyone. And I don't think we respect death enough here. Um, you know, in other cultures, you know, they have a day for death. People come back from the grave and you celebrate it. And it, it's just part of life. And I, I miss Judy a lot. But it, it's real. I mean, she's gone. I can't do anything about it. Um, I don't celebrate it, <laughs> but it happens. And I don't know why. I have no idea why. But, I, well, I do know why. Cancer killed her. I mean, that's why. Um, and it, it ate up her, her insides. I mean, that's what happened. Um, and it's great that you have comfort. Um, I have comfort knowing that it's part of life. I mean, that, that's it. You know, I'm Jewish, and yet I'm going to do whatever I have to in the laws. You know, 
God uh, put out some rules and regulations about ending up with your uh, spouse, uh, and you have to follow those rules and regulations, otherwise uh, you're not allowed to, to, to be with her. And even though I'm Jewish and uh, our rules are a little different, I'm going to do whatever I have to. That helps me know that I'm going to end up with her. So uh, I'm going to, uh, this Jewish kid probably will end up getting baptized because if that's part of uh, what I need to get to be with my wife, I'll do it. It's also a good way of honoring her. Yes. Right? It's a good way of honoring what she believed in and what she wanted the yes. two of you yes. to believe in. So I will live my life moving forward with the help of people like Lucia and friends like I've met, like Jay and and all the people from the group and try and live my life as best I can until I'm with her again. So finding that community, right? Finding yes. whether it's a faith community, yeah. whether it's people from group or old friends, sort of finding what gives you that support. Yeah, support. You're That's a great way to live. I, I just don't understand well, I'm talking about my life. Not everyone has the situation I came in contact with. My wife and I were together for over 40 years, inseparable. Her sisters used to laugh at us that we're together so much. We used to get all the, the best compliment I ever got was when people saw us and got to know us and all they would turn to us and say is, what do you talk about after a while? You were always together. What do you talk about? Don't you get bored with each other? No. It didn't matter how long we were together. It didn't matter. We could be sitting, watching TV. We could be walking around the track. We could be just walking the dog. We always, always would look to be together no matter what we did, as simple as it was. We never walked the dog separately. We would always walk the dog together. I just want to show why it's so important to kind of talk to people who have been through this, because Lou said that, uh, you know, when he sees um, some two old people walking together, holding hands, um, you know, he, he used to say that he, he and his wife, I, I, when I used to, when I saw, when Judy and I saw uh, two old people, I'm old already too, I, keep, I say old, but, um, when we saw two old people like getting on a bus and, and you know, uh, I have to say the man, I'm sorry, but the man usually helps his wife on the bus. Judy and I used to say, you know, that's going to be us, you know, and, and see, we think alike because we've been through this. And that's why people don't understand what you're thinking, at, you know, so when they say, when are you going to date again or how come you're not over it yet, you know, or, uh, you, you know, you're better off now because she's not, you know, uh, in pain. Um, just, you know, things that they, they think will help you. Um, when, look, before this happens to me, um, I never knew what to say to someone who died. You know, I mean, not, I'm sorry, not who died, but the, to the person who, you know, whose spouse had died or a family member died. I used to say, you know, my condolences, like 
like what does that mean to someone you know you, you could say like do you need dinner tonight you know or something like that or if you know i know it's it's horrible and i have no words for you you know something like that some meaning to it and but not like you, you know these these certain phrases that really mean nothing because because we we know what it's like and that's and that's why uh, you know i did want to go through this alone like i said the first i mean i'm i'm not uh telling you to do that at all but but that was just me this is that that's the thing you you grieve the way you want to this is the way i grieved i just want to make that clear um and what i say here is the way i'm grieving and the way i think um and like i said i'm not following any rule um uh, I, i'm just doing the way the way i feel that's the, how i i'm doing it can you talk a little about um grief being physical right the tiredness the yes. forgetfulness the well they do say um it's a great thing when you can get up and take a shower at, at the beginning of grief and it's true you're just well for, you're physically just tired you just don't want to meet the day pretty much uh, it's mentally tiring too obviously uh, but you you've feet don't want to go anywhere you you you're tired i mean that's it you're tired and you can't move i mean it's it's horrible um it's it's painful so you get yourself out of bed i used to cry every morning now i get past that but still you go through the day what can i do what can i do in bereavement group we used to say you fake it till you make it Yeah. and that's what you have to do and to tell you the truth this first group that i was in was such a warm special group i have friends that i know i'll be friends forever it was just chemistry and that's why anyone who's going through or knows they will be going through look to cancer care i just want to say i agree with lube because something happened to me uh this weekend which shocked me and i don't know why it did but um when i was telling you about the mothers day on the bench um you know my my sons always talk about what i should be doing now and you know where i should move and what i should do and uh you know and i i said well you know i would have to sell the apartment and blah 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 you know and uh both my sons said well you should and i said why you know and they both said you know it just smells of loss and i was shocked when they said that because i'm so kind of comfortable in my apartment because i'm kind of lazy i guess and it and i guess it really it does probably smell of loss because that's you know where i lived with their mother for you know 30 years and they grew up there and like they said they just said that well we grew up there and you know it's over you know and Uh, and i didn't know what to say to that cuz i sit there and you know watch tv and it doesn't hit me like it's it's it it smells like loss but it really is like where i was married to her and it was a life there and sometimes i don't even i look at pictures and i said was that my life i had two children here and 
we had a life here. It doesn't feel, that doesn't feel real. The death feels real, but my past life doesn't feel real. It's very strange. And this is my third year of grief. And it still doesn't feel, nothing feels real. I'm still numb in a way. And that's, it. I don't know when that, that will never be over. But that's the contradiction, yeah. right? Yeah. The idea that you have to let go of the places or the, the things you had with your spouse or your loved one, when in reality, what brings comfort is to continue. Basic thing is you find out that everyone continues, and it, it, whether you know whether you lost the loved one or not, but every life goes on, and you you just say to yourself, how can life go on? How can you be? How can Judy's friends do stuff? I mean, don't you know Judy's dead? How can you go out? You know, you're not grieving for her. You know, it's like what's going on? Right. Right. How dare you go out? You were friends with her. You shouldn't be going out. Well, I, it's a double-edged sword for me because as much as it doesn't have meaning, it has memories. And I still have my wife's things. And uh, it hurts to give away those things because I'm still at a point where I, I think I'm, I'm giving away a piece of her. So I'm trying to hold on, but... I'm finding that as people do kindness, show me kindness, I give them something of hers that I knew she loved or she enjoyed because they showed me kindness in my life. So giving it to them, I know she would like that. Uh, but I, it's hard to give away anything. And the reason we stay in a house is because, yes, it's painful, but it also has that umbilical cord to what was. And we hold on to what was, because if we give up that, all we have is what is, which is, who knows? It's so uncertain. It's, it, we it, have reality. I still That's wear my wedding ring because, uh, because it means something to me. It's my connection to her. That's interesting because I had to take my wedding ring off very early on because I, I found it sad to see on my finger I because it, it I I it's different it's different for everyone I found it so there is no I, yeah right no wrong. no there's no right that's there to just no show right you that wrong. there is no right or wrong we all have yeah. to get to yeah. understand too is that we try to do the right thing right. with everyone telling us but as Lucia said, don't ever apologize for crying. Right. Or anything. And don't ever right. and don't ever decide what you're doing is wrong because whatever you have to do to get through the day is right for you. Right. You you find it as a, as a good memory, and I find it a very like sad memory to me. It and it's and I couldn't I couldn't handle it. I could I couldn't look at. I still though I still though play with the my well, ring though like even ring. though it's not there. But I can't see it. I can't. I don't. Yeah. I know. I'm blessed. I've had my wonderful, beautiful princess in life. Right now, if I'm lucky, I'll find a young lady that I could share time with. 
and enjoy things with, and we both understand where we are in life to move forward, just to enjoy each other's company. That's all I want. That's all I need. Because if I try to uh, go out and meet a girl, and more than just that, they'll never meet up to my darling Yolanda. See, this is how different grief is. I'm really, I don't even think about that at all at this point. I just think about like, how am I going to live my life pretty much? Um, that Because I don't even, I don't know my tra trajectory, basically. I don't know where I'm going. You know, am I moving out? Am I not moving out? Where am I going to be? Um, so uh, I don't think that way. Um, so grief is different for everyone. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, it's very funny. There is no right or wrong, no right. matter what right. you're going right. through. Right don't right. think you're in the wrong place. Right. Don't think you're doing the wrong That's thing. Very important. You're right. going through an experience, and the best way to try and get through it, right or wrong. Again, there is no right or wrong. Just try and surround yourself with people who've experienced because they're the true ones that can understand. And if you're lucky enough to build a, a, a bond or a relationship with these people, it'll be something that'll benefit you for life. Um, it has helped me um, with the little I can move forward with. Uh, you know, my son, and, and I feel bad because my son tries so hard Again, it's so hard for him to understand. Uh, you know, he, like that bullet list he gave me. You know, he even put it on my phone where, you know, it, eat lunch. You know, because he, he cares, but, but how do I try to explain to him what, what I'm going through? And, and, and he, he's such a good son that I thank God for that. But... Uh, it's, it's a hard journey for some of us, some harder than others. People try to help you fix it, yes. right? And yes. people don't understand that there is no fixing it. Yes. Right? People try to make you feel better when yes. in reality that's not what you necessarily need. No, and then the worst thing you that could happen to you is you become a burden to the people who care for you the most. And it's so easy to start depending on these people, and you don't want to do that because you want to try and make your own life on your own, standing on your own two feet. It's important. And, but I, I am, um, I am uh, technically stunted. I am such a dinosaur when it comes to all this modern technology. And I call my son up for help and he says, how could you not know how to do that? It's hard for him to understand that I'm just, I, it, my brain will not accept the technology of today, and I'm finding that one of the hardest things to deal with is, is being able to, because you don't talk to humans anymore. Whenever you have a problem, you're talking to a machine. You can't get to a human being. I have a simple problem with cable vision. Try and get to a person to fix it. And maybe when you're younger, you understand how to work it out. But when you get to be my age, somehow technology refuses to stay. It'll go in one ear, and once you lean uh, to one side, it just pours out the other ear. It, it, it won't stay in there because it's not the world you lived in, which gives it even more of a, 
a hurdle to climb. So you do what you have to. But this just came to me. Um, when I really realized that this was kind of happened, it was one night I came back from going out and it was maybe seven or eight o'clock. It must have been in the winter because it was really dark. But I, I came home and nothing was touched. Everything was the same. And it was totally quiet. And I realized that Judy was gone. I mean, it just hit me out of nowhere. And that's the way grief is. Out of nowhere, you might get hit. And it's amazing how this works. I was just going to say, is there anything that I haven't asked that you feel we should include? So the hurdles for all of us are so much more than we even imagine. Once we start going through it, you realize how many hurdles we have to get over right down to the simplest, simplest thing. I'm finally deciding that I need to fix my house. I'm finally getting involved in little things and my son said, good, good, good. And I'm thinking, I finally, after two years, decided to clean around, to power wash my this or trim the bushes that. And so even though I don't think it's moving forward, I realized that every little thing you do is, uh, is, is a step forward. There are no great uh, revelations going to happen in your life that you're going to realize you've passed it and you can move on in life. They're little pieces, one by one. Sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it doesn't take that long, but you just move forward taking little steps. There are no big steps in this process. There Actually, if, if it's okay, there are two things that... Um, I wanted to talk about the bereavement group that uh, um, that went on that helped me a lot, and this very specific. Um, one thing was um, I I did give away uh, Judy's uh, clothing. Um, I gave away her good clothing to to uh, groups that help women with uh, in, you know interviews to get jobs. So I gave away her. Uh, good clothing but I, I i did find a dress that she never wore which was it was a dress that was not like her it almost kind of looked leatherish uh, it was very weird and the tags were still on but she never wore it that i still have i saved that and i saved her wedding dress um but i but i also gave uh like her f informal clothing to uh um, one of like uh, you know one of the groups uh, that takes clothing neat like informal like sneakers and stuff all like that and I and I had like 13 bags full um, and I and I took it you know to to the Salvation Army um, by carriage uh, a few few times and uh, and I spoke to the group about it and and what I said was so this is my wife's life I throwing her bags of clothing into like a box. That's the way, that's, that's it. That's her life. And, you know, and the group said, you know, her clothing is going to go to, you know, a good cause. You're not throwing her away. 
she'll always be in your memory. The clothing means nothing, you know. It's, it's her that you should think of. And that really helped me because it, I was really going through something. I said, God, you know, life is nothing. It's just bags of clothing when you die. And that really helped me. Um, so that was one thing in the bereavement group. And the other thing is, which you would notice, is about peeps. Uh, <laughs> uh, one Easter, Judy used to celebrate, we are Jewish too, Judy used to celebrate Easter, though, by getting peeps. And if you don't know what peeps are, they're the marshmallow rabbits and stuff uh, that you eat. Um, and uh, for, for Easter, they come out in uh, CVS and Dwayne Reed and you never get them cheap. Uh, and um, she used to buy like thousands of them. And uh, she liked to eat them stale. And so she would open them and let them go stale and then eat them, you know, for Easter. So in my the second year of grief, uh, I just, I don't know, Easter came around and I said, you know, I'm going to get peeps for Judy. Um, and I, I kind of felt funny about it, um, but I did get the peeps. I opened them. Um, I put them in Hudro. I still have Hudro. And by the way, I still sleep on the same side that I've always slept in bed. And I still haven't changed that. Um, but I put it in her drawers, which I still have on her side. And I put that I put the peeps in her drawer and I opened them so you know they were stale. And uh by the way, they weren't eaten uh, by anyone, and including her. Um and I was hoping she would come down and uh, eat them. But um and I felt funny about it. I really felt funny about it. Um, and I told the group about it because I said, what's the matter with me? I'm crazy. What am I getting food for someone who died? And the group said, you know, you should honor her the way you want to honor her. And that's the way you're honoring her. And you know what? I felt good about it then. I didn't feel embarrassed. I didn't feel bad. And that's why you need to speak people to people who have been through this. They, you know, it's. It's a safe place, and you're not crazy, you know. And you shouldn't be embarrassed of anything. You shouldn't. You just grieve the way you want to grieve. And so I do thank Cancer Care and Lucia and and the bereavement group and Lou for being part of the bereavement group too. You know? Yeah. So all four of us that spoke today will be friends forever because. Yeah. We have a common denominator that can't yeah. that can't be matched, and that and you know. Out for lunch yet. Yeah. So let me. Uh, I don't know if we go the way I met my wife. Um, my wife and I were into dancing. I so uh, uh, for those of you who don't even remember what this is, disco. I still have my white polyester suit in the closet. I'm waiting to take it out again. But no, um, so I went to this club in uh, Brooklyn. Funny thing is I was on a date and this was a club where there were tables and a dance floor up front. And I'm looking at the dance floor and there's this beautiful young lady just gliding back and forth on the dance floor. She was just gliding, almost like she was ice skating, but she was dancing. 
And I was looking at her and I just said, I have to meet her. Luckily for me, it was the type of club where all the good dancers went to. So I knew if I come back, I'd probably bunk into her. And yes, I did. And there she was. And we started talking. And I remember a funny thing that happened was, now my wife was a very good dancer. I was just getting out of a very bad relationship. We both got out of bad relationships. We met and we're starting to dance. Well, the truth is the truth. <laughs> and I get, uh, I start dancing with her. Now I know two steps. That's all I know. And I kept doing the same two steps over and over. And she was so bored. But she tried her best to, to accommodate because we were sort of clicking. And she made every excuse in the world to sit down. And I remember how funny it was. I turned to her and I said, just give me a little time. Just give me a little time. And we became quite the couple. You know, that was we had everything together because people would always compliment us on how well we danced together. But that, that was because the two of us together it was just so wonderful. It was just another part of the two of us being one. <laughs> and that's all these building blocks that made the relationship what it was uh, so special. I hold on to her clothes because in my case, I'm holding on to a piece of her. You know, this only proves that there is no right or wrong. And I'm glad it comes out this way, because no matter what part of this you're in, you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing what you have to to comfort yourself. That's what we all do, comfort ourselves. I found that for me to be able to give someone who's been special to me or been kind to me and, and opened up their heart to me, I want to give a piece of my wife to them. So... Uh, that's the way I do it. Uh, uh, and, and, and we all do what we have to. Just wanted to say I met my wife on a blind date. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I have no story. <laughs> I was very late for my blind date, and she, that's a thing with my, that was a thing with my wife. She didn't like anyone being late. <laughs> <laughs> she was not. But she made me into a grown-up, so I was not late after that. <laughs> I have to say <laughs> that my wife and I used to fight every now and then. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we didn't talk to each other for two or three days. And the way would we would apologize would be by text or by phone. <laughs> Because uh, I, for some reason, we just couldn't do it uh, personally. Um, so we're all different. <laughs> we all have different. We, we all have different marriages too. So, but we all loved our wives very, very much. Just uh, want to make that clear. <laughs> There's a line in my. I have to give a toast uh, when uh, um, at, at at the wedding. Uh, my son's wedding this weekend and there's a line where I say you know when things don't go right you know forgive easily and I laugh at that because my son's 
you know, grew up with my 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 wife and I not speaking for three days, and then we would you know settle everything by phone or text. I mean, that's not really forgiving easily. So I don't know what I'm going to say after that to them. So <laughs> one thing I wanted to say is that I, what I, what's coming to the surface for me is my idiosyncrasies, my quirks, and I realize that I have several. That it's very hard for me to make decisions. It's very, there are certain things in life that I realized she was there to help me through. She would be my, my guiding light. She understood my situation. I could never say yes immediately. Making decisions was very difficult. But with her, we'd end up getting to where we need to be. But without her, it's so difficult to commit to things, right down to a dog. It's like, I want a dog, but I'll always look at the negative. I wish I didn't as much as I do, because she would bring me out of that negative mode. But now you have to do these things on your own. That's what I was saying at the beginning. You don't only lose the person. You lose your advisor. Yeah. You know, you lose someone that you share everything with and who you trust. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming today and for sharing your stories today. It's over. It's over now. Anyone who listens to us, who's going to venture into where we are now, look into cancer care. That's all I can say. Truly. Truly. Thanks for tuning in to Cancer Out Loud, the Cancer Care Podcast. Cancer Care is the leading national nonprofit organization providing free professional support services, including resource navigation, cancer focused counseling, support groups, educational resources, and financial assistance to anyone affected by cancer. You can visit us online at cancercare.org or call our toll-free Hope line at 800-813-HOPE. That's 800-813-4673 to speak with a master's prepared oncology social worker.